Hey everyone, Brett Maddox here. Hope that you are doing well. We'll be starting the second episode of the Podakesis podcast in just a second. I wanted to take this moment to turn your attention to our website, podakesis.com, where you can find show notes for this episode, links to important resources, such as Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism from seedbed.com, and you can also find out where to find our show. We are on Twitter, at Podakesis, Facebook, at Podakesis. We are also found on Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thank you so much for your support in our first episode, and we look forward to growing this community together. We do ask that you leave a five-star review and let us know what you think about the show Also, feel free to take part in conversations on Facebook. Leave us questions. uh, Send us comments. That helps us know how to engage uh, with you. Now, we hope that you enjoyed this, the second episode of the Podakesis podcast, as we discuss what is the chief end of man. Hello, fellow polycumans. Brett Maddox here, joined once again by our friends Jim Morrow and Alan Kaysen. Welcome to episode two of the Podakesis podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. Boys, episode two, we made it through episode one. How y'all feeling? Man, I'm feeling great. Awesome, awesome. I am too, I am too. So uh, episode two, here we go. We're excited about it. Y'all have been so great. Thank you for uh, downloading the episode and listening to it for your response uh, for episode one, that background episode about why we're doing uh, this podcast. Once again, this is a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. And we're coming at this from a particular point of view, a a Wesleyan-Arminian point of view, because we're three Methodist pastors. We we serve local churches, and uh, this is a wonderful thing. We're so excited. So um, are you guys ready to go ahead and just jump in to question number one, or is there... Oh, hey, Brad, Brad. So so first of all, yes, uh, I thought our first episode was really great. I thought it was fantastic, Um, especially my parts. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the the Jim Morrow parts were particularly... Uh, not talked about at all. All right. Anyway, yes, Alan. I really wasn't concerned about Jim's parts, but um, I was concerned um, after listening back. You gave me a lot of grief about not introducing my my wife. And you should and never forget family. your family. You should never. Forget you should your never. Family. And you know what's funny? I was I was listening back over, and you failed to mention anything about yours. In yeah, fact, until I, this moment, I didn't know you had a family. I thought you lived all by yourself. Well, um, I've gotten a little bit of grief about that. Um, my wife, she uh, she texted me a few days ago after listening to the first episode, and she said, you know, uh, first of all, uh, the content was really good. You three guys did wonderful. Uh, the second point I want to make is the uh, the single guy is kind of a jerk. She was talking about me. There I'm not go. single, <laughs> but I left her and my kids out of the introductions. Alan, you, you introduced your family, Jim, you introduced your family. And yes, Alan, I gave you a hard time. I am married. I've been married to my wife, Jessica, since October of 2004. And we have two wonderful boys, Elijah and Jackson. And uh, we have been 
doing ministry together um, for all these, what is that, 16, almost 16 years or so? So, um, yeah, awesome stuff. We're going to have to Google that and verify it, but we'll see. I think we are, and maybe clip the point yes. where he wasn't quite sure how long he'd been married and send it to his wife. Well, I can't do math in my head. I'm sorry. I'm a Lowndes County graduate here. I can okay. only My math can only go so well, far. Well, this might be the first thing we cut, but sure. <laughs> Yeah, we might have to. Sorry, Lowndes County, huh? So anyway, go Vikings. So, uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's a great first uh, episode and um, we, we should go on and get started. Again, this is about what Christians believe. And so we've been using uh, John Wesley's revision, or we're going to use John Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism, this this document that came around in the 16th century um, in England uh, during Puritan times as a way of teaching the faith. Uh, to those who needed to know the basics about Christianity. And it does it through this question-answer process. They ask this question, and there's this answer. Now, the larger catechism gives a more detailed uh, answer, but the shorter catechism is more for kids and child was more for kids and children and allowed them for right up our alley. I know exactly Perfect. right, and it was memorable. It was memor- memorized. They they could memorize it. That's the word I'm trying to say there. They could memorize uh, the answers, the questions, and the answers. And so we're going to go with that document and just have a conversation about that. And so we are looking at the issue of humanity's purpose. And I think this is important because everybody wants to know what our purpose is, right? We want to know what, why are we even here? I was thinking about, um, uh, back to Rick Warren. Y'all, y'all know Rick Warren? I think our listeners, most of them know Pastor Rick Warren over at Saddleback Church in California. The second most infamous opening line of a book in all of history. Beyond it was yeah. the best of times and the worst of times comes Rick Warren's purpose-driven life, which begins with the words... It's not about you. Oh, it's not about you. That's good. That's yeah, good. it's not about you. And he, he uh, you know, a lot of times when we hear sermons or read books about our purpose from a Christian point of view, it's very health, wealth, and prosperity. Prosperity. God wants you to be uh, free. God wants you to, you're, you're, let, let me put it this way. God wants you, um, you, your purpose in God's eyes, is to be happy, but then they define happiness through maybe material wealth or, uh, you know, owning a house or a certain type of house or being out of debt or all this kind of stuff. It's kind of based upon what we can have. Yeah, and I've had some really interesting pastoral things come up too, where people are really, really getting, they're, they're in an internal bind because they feel like there's something very specific that they have to do and they don't know what it is, so they feel highly disconnected from God because um, in their minds, their purpose becomes a particular activity. Right. And so, and, and, and that puts them in a, in a, that becomes a pastoral issue. It becomes an issue of like deep confusion for them, especially right. I found that a lot with people um, who have been sick and they're hanging on, their health is still bad and they don't know why they're still here, quote, is what I'll hear a lot. And so it's very much purpose is a big question for people of all ages, and it comes out in different ways. Well, it's the the meaning of life. What is the meaning of life? When we talk about purpose and what's my purpose, I think the age old question is, what is the meaning of life? And I think that's what this first question gets to. Absolutely. And um, it's interesting. Y'all know the movie, The Princess Bride? Love it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, y'all like, like the movie. I love The Princess Bride uh, very much so. And then there's there's that funny scene where Vicini. He didn't fall? Inconceivable. You keep using the word. 
I don't think it means what you think it means. And I think we in the church, as pastors, sometimes are, we use the idea of purpose, um, the meaning of life, and we don't know what we're talking about when we're past, pastoring our, our flock, when we're, when we're teaching the basics of the faith. And uh, so that's, that's really the theme we want to get into today. The first question out of the gate in the Westminster Shorter Catechism is, what is the chief end of man? Now, they're using very um, non-inclusive, gender-inclusive language here. Of course, it's in the 16th century. But basically, that is, what is the main goal of humanity? Wow, let's start chief? big, why don't we? You know, let's not bite off a little at a time. This is, this is episode 100, right? <laughs> 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 so what is the goal of humanity? That's the first, first question. I think it's an interesting first question. I want to come back to that idea of it being question number one um, in just a moment. But here we are. What is the chief end of humanity? And the answer that is the, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Mm. To glorify God and, to, and enjoy him forever. And so uh, the scriptural points uh, that, that, that are used for proof of this uh, come from uh, three places in the book that we are looking through here that is from seedbed.com. And the first one would be from 1 Corinthians 10.31, uh, that passage that says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And in, and in Wesley's notes on this verse, in Wesley's notes on this work verse, um, he lays out um, civil duties, uh, religious duties, um, all kinds of stuff um, there. Um, he, he makes it, it's whatever you do in your life, yeah. do it for the glory of God. That's and then powerful. in Romans 11, yeah, absolutely. And then in Romans eleven thirty six, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So this idea of glorifying God, of enjoying Him, um, and there's many more scriptures. There's that Psalm. Um, uh, do one of y'all have the Psalm in front of you? That's yeah, Psalm I got it. So 70, uh, Psalm 73, verses 25 through 28. Yes. Uh, would you, Alan, I feel like we're in a Bible puzzle? study where everybody's like, I'll read it. No, I'll read it. No, I'll read it. <laughs> no, I'll read it. But <laughs> I'm going to read it. <laughs> well, you know, in a sense, bringing scripture into this, at the top is important for us Absolutely. because it lays a foundation um, for what we're talking about here. And what I love about this psalm as we talk about enjoying God is that verse 28. But go ahead and read, uh, Alan. Sure. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good for to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. That last verse, man, gets me. It is good to be near God. Mm, I mean, it is stuff. good to be near God. And, and, and if you'll notice, to me, this idea of humanity's purpose, if it's tied into these scriptures, if this is the scriptural proof, it has nothing to do with our jobs. Let me say this. It does have everything to do by what we do, mm. but our identity and um, our purpose, my purpose is not to be a pastor. My purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Pastoring is just the means about which I get to do that. And, right. and, and being a dad is a means by which I get to do that. And being a husband and being a friend and being a teacher, you know, they, those are all ways 
in which I get to carry out that purpose. Yeah, what's interesting about this question is that it it has nothing to do with us. I mean, except you, like you're right, it, it, we it is about what we do in terms of we glorify God, but the focus of the answer is all about God. Right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. From the top yeah, what, end, from the top end, it's it's a really interesting thing to put God at the forefront because it's not something that's commonly done uh, in the culture. Really, hasn't been done very often throughout history. God becomes the center. We we become not the center. We become the signs that point, and that that changes a lot of how modern life, the outlook of modern life, exists. A lot of what we grew up with, um, with you know, what your hopes and dreams for life should be. We're all about us. And this putting God at the forefront is a really powerful thing. In fact, um, Mr. McDonald, who wrote some notes, he's, he mentions that God is the first and foremost of religion, of life. He alone is right. the aim and the center. And I think that's powerful. Yeah. That's, it's also personally challenging right from the get-go. Yeah. So one of the things that um, I noticed out of this is like question number four, I think it is, four or five. Oh, reading it starts talking. Ab- it starts talking about God. You know, w- when we went to seminary, when Jim and Alan and I went to seminary to be trained to be pastors, uh, we had to take systematic theology, just basic Christian doctrine. And part of our basic Christian doctrine teaching, at least for me, was we started with the nature of God. Yeah. The, the, the Westminster Catechism, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily start with the nature of God. It starts with our response to God. It assumes yeah. God, first and foremost. Um, it's not setting out to set out a, uh, a defense in the belief in God. This is oh, not yeah. some sort of apologetic. Yeah, it's and, assuming we, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I like it, it flat out says from the top, it's like, I'm not going to try to convince you that you should believe in God. It lays out a truth that right. is just at the foundation. God is to be glorified. Right. And, and, in enjoyed. Your, and in your response that God is to be enjoyed, in the way that yeah. we respond to that. And that that's a powerful observation. You done good there, Brett. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Well, and I got to thinking too, this is how the creeds are set up. If mm. you think of the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed says, I believe in God the Father. And in the uh, Apostles' Creed, it says, we believe in God mm-hmm. the Father. It starts with that us, right? It starts mm-hmm. with I or we. It's our response. Even the creeds themselves start off. The very first is that our response is we believe or I believe. And so um, I think that the Westminster Catechism is drawing from a historic, from a historic understanding of of teaching the faith here that uh, we are assuming a belief in God. And in a belief in a particular specific God. Now, it will get into more teaching about that particular specific God. But from the out, get, outset, our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. In fact, if you don't mind, I want to quote Mr. Uh, Pastor Rick Warren once again. You, you brought that up, Jim, earlier from oh, yeah. Purpose Driven Life. And, you know, Purpose Driven Life was this massively successful book. How, how many Rick of your Warren churches wrote, did 40 days of purpose? Oh, I mean, yeah, every, yes, right. Absolutely. Like many churches that I did. Yeah, Alan's massively successful. Purpose. Absolutely. That's right. 
And um, even before Purpose Driven Life, there was the Purpose Driven Church and Purpose Driven oh, yeah. Youth. Like this was a thing that he had set up. But this, the, the, the opening paragraph of Purpose Driven Life, he says, it's not about you. By the way, Jim, to compare Rick Warren and Charles Dickens, the second <laughs> most... <laughs> So I just thought it would be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's also, there's uh, also to my shame, the most memorable in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. There's also, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about Uh, that? Pastor fail. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be our second podcast shirt is pastor fail. Pastor fail. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) But he says, it's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. Mm. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. The chief end of humanity is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Which, you know, we've already said, it, it just is so countercultural. I mean, right. our whole society is, 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 is individualistic. Um, something that's been going through my mind as we've been talking is the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, and we have taken that and we're like, I, I have a right to, to my pursuit of happiness. And, and it's all about me. And it's all about, you know, what I want. And first question and answer right off the gate is nope it's about god it's about right. it's about how we glorify god and how we enjoy god yeah and i and, like and, and yet like, did you know go ahead. We'll have to i was going to say and did you did you notice that our happiness that kind of deep down joy is based upon how we respond to god hmm. i mean it, james mcdonald says this in his notes when he talks about our happiness it, you know, and he's talking when he's talking about happiness, he's not just talking about, you know, that general feeling. OK, I, I woke up on the right side of the bed and I ate my bottle, my, my bottle. <laughs> Don't eat the bottle. Um, oh, that's a that's a different type of podcast. I ate yeah. my. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a Lutheran podcast you're thinking of. That's your Lutheran podcast you do on the side. Yeah. Um, but he says, um, but, uh, it's, you know, eat your, you know, uh, cocoa crispies or whatever it is that you really like. And it's just, you're having a good day. And so everything is, is extremely happy. He's not talking about that. He's talking about this kind of deep down, uh, the word we would probably use is joy, um, within us that comes from our worship. Sure. I mean, I would have gone with the way, Toast Crunch, but, yeah. you know, whatever. Well, guys, you need Cocoa to get Cocoa Krispies are amazing, you by need the way. To get on they the they are the best smoothie. cereal. We're all pushing 40. <laughs> We've got to leave the sugared cereals alone, okay? Kale okay. smoothies. Pushing 40. Grandpa. Okay, Grandpa. 40. <laughs> Kale smoothies to chase down your Cocoa Krispies uh, <laughs> will keep you healthy. It's a superfood. Superfood. Yeah. Okay, so. Brett, how are you? Um. <laughs> no, so get this. Check this out on this question. This is pretty interesting, too, because I'm trying to listen to it from uh, from a complete outsider's ears. You To glorify God sets up a picture of God. Well, gosh, does he need all of our validation? And then mm. to say, you know, so you got, we have to think about what that means, because, well, me, I, I'm going to ask for my glory for me to glorify you is a pretty big ask. Is it audacious? Is it egotistical? Um, and so listening to it also to couch then our enjoyment in that is something that is going to, it's going to be fun to communicate 
uh, and think through as we get into this, because God's not just worthy and we should praise him, but at our core, to glorify God brings out the truest nature of what a human being is. But doesn't it sound like if you're listening to it from an outsider's ears? Right, it does. It, yes. What kind of God is this that, that would require, is there... Yeah, anyway, so it's pretty interesting. As we break down this question, it's going to be fun to look at what that means in the context and why we would want to glorify God. Thomas Oden is a theologian who is very influential in my life and in my theology. Um, and I would, I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to place some of his, uh, my favorite um, material of his on the podakesis.com website uh, as a resource uh, for this podcast for y'all listeners to be able to go to. But his book, Classical Christianity, is top, 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 top notch. And he says in his, uh, in that book, he says this about happiness. Um, and God, um, there you go. The systematic theology. Yes, Jim is holding it up for us right there. Boom. You can't hear it. He's got the hardcover edition. I've mm. got the uh, paper that the soft cover. This edition is just it. volume two. One and two, volume two, the Word of Life. Yeah, mm. very nice. Sorry uh, to all our lay folks out there who uh, <laughs> just experienced the pastor nerding out. <laughs> Hey, we're nerds. Systematic theology. Nerds about kale, nerds about superheroes, and nerds about theologians. Well, and and cereal. Yes, and cereal, Cocoa Krispies. Anyway, so um, uh, he says this um, God is glorified in an extraordinary way by the creation of intelligent beings capable of praising and thereby of reflecting God's own glory in temporal, historical, physical, and moral acts. That God's glory is manifested in creation does not diminish his goodness but enhances it. Uh, this idea that um, if God's, God's glory is enhanced by our glorifying him is a powerful, powerful thing because what is happening is when we glorify God in our lives and everything that we do, we are living out our purpose, the reason for being created. Um, in this fashion, we are very much like Calvinist, uh, and I'm going to say that um, we are like Calvinist. Yeah, let's just hold that. Yes, everybody, just oh, pump the brakes. Word. <laughs> All our reformed friends just uh, just swerved off the road I hearing that. I just spilled my Mayhaw jelly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind of jelly that is, but we're going to move on. So, um, <laughs> you know, Calvinists would say that the top uh, quality about God or the is that God is sovereign. And that Wesleyan Arminians tend to leave that out, that God's sovereignty is not our number one focus or that we Wesleyan Arminians don't really think about or believe in God's sovereignty. And that's, that's just not true. Uh, the, the fact that Wesley would, would have no issue with this idea of glorifying God and praising him forever, this is a sovereignty issue. This is a sovereignty question. The reason we as God's creations... Uh, our chief end is to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. And it's because he is the king. He is sovereign. He is the creator, and there are none like him at all. That is our purpose in life. Yeah, and thinking of God as sovereign, we're talking about God being above all, God being powerful over all, God being uh, all in control, all in all, et cetera, et cetera. So just to kind of fill that out. And one of the, the reasons that there's some problems and the relationship with our Reformed brethren and sisters that we could talk about as we get through the podcast is the idea of, uh, do we have any say in our response to God? Right. When we get down right. to the, the core of the sovereignty question, it's almost, that's almost an oversimplified argument. Like it doesn't really hold water 
when we come, and that's so good that we're talking about this because even Wesley, uh, the move for living in sanctification and growing in holiness yes. is all about yes. our response to a sovereign God. Right. Well, and that, that that's, a, that's a great transition. One of our scripture proofs um, it was Romans eleven thirty six. 36. Yes. I'm just going to read it again. And I want to read the next verse after it. Okay. Oh, um, for from him and through him and for him are all things talking about God. Mm. Right. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Right. And Paul sort of ends this argument from chapter 11, where he talks about how God has had mercy on both the Jews and the Gentiles. He's brought both salvation. And, and, and so then Romans 12, one, which a lot of, a lot of church folks would know. He says, therefore, I urge you, um, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Right. Um, talk about state of, I mean, that's how we, that's how we glorify God. That's how we grow. And he, he's, he's, Paul is, is urging the Romans to, to live into that sanctification, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. That's how we, that's how we glorify God in light of God's mercy. Absolutely. This is, it's a holiness movement. It's yeah. a holiness moment. That's the, that's the other word we use, you'll hear us use from time to time it, for sanctification is this idea of holiness. It's the, it, it draws on the word that means to be separated. Not that we are apart from the world, but we are different. And the way that we're different is that our purpose is different. Um, our purpose is different. That God says our purpose is different. I love this idea, by the way, and, and, uh, of, um, of, of uh, the chief end. Uh, the, the the telos, which is in the Greek there. And James MacDonald in his commentary in Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism, he says uh, the word telos, it doesn't mean um, to come to an end of something like a finale. Like it's not a, it's not like you're just closing the book. He says, it's like a, think of a victory of a, after a war or a victory of of something. Just think of the word victory. Victory means now you're living in a new reality. Uh, now you've come to the end and there's a new reality that has come about. We're, we're in the, we're, we're at the end. Now we're in a new, a new age. So and like so, you, so for instance, like you, you know, if you win the Super Bowl, you've got mm -hmm. the trophy, but you've got next season. You, you know? got next season. And, but and, and you've got to, you got to play next season as the champion. Yeah. Because now know. you are the champions. I don't know, you are, what? that is exactly right. Now, Jim doesn't understand that analogy, but <laughs> Oh, I understand that analogy very well, and I just am feeling so bad for Atlanta right now. I could cry. <laughs> well, that was like three years ago. It we still gotta stings. We got to move on. Still stings. Okay, you, It does. That is absolutely true. Boom. Uh, but that's exactly right because the identity then at that point is they're the champions, so they're living in this new reality, and so uh, that's what's happening here. What is the telos of humanity? It's to live in this reality. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever is living in a new reality of of holiness, of of sanctification, is the other word of of living in the reality of who we are in Christ. Well, I think it goes back to something we talked about at the beginning: is that um, you know everybody's everybody's looking for their their purpose, and like you know if I can just get the right job, mm. then right, um, right. I'll mm. you know go that that pastoral question of God. I just I need to find out what what's my career, what's my path. Maybe there's some of that. 
But ultimately, whatever we do, going back to 1 Corinthians 10, 31, right. whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. No matter what you're doing, mm -hmm. as long as you are glorifying God in it, you are living in to the purpose that God has for you. 100%. Um, right. I mean, let, so, me, let, me, let me throw a controversial statement out there. What please, if please. it could very well be that God doesn't care which job you pick. Oh. Now let me qualify that. Because if the, the purpose is bigger than that, and that's what I want to that's what I want to get. The purpose is going to yeah, be absolutely. bigger than that. Mm -hmm. Um right. does God care about the details of our life? Yes. Is it yeah. such that if you decide to walk on the left side of the street or the right side of the street, that one of those is going to be God's path and you're going to be blessed and one of those isn't and you didn't choose well, and therefore you're going to have a lot of pain. No, 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 no. So right. there's when people are talking about this purpose issue a lot and the will of God issues a, a lot, that sometimes they think that there's so much minutia in there, but God is God's purpose for us is broader. And with that, there's directions that God wants us to go. Right. And so it, it, thinking of it like that actually eases a burden in people's lives. Like, you know what? Yeah, and I, I think... And I, why don't you try walking on the right side of the street for a while? Glorify God while you're doing it. And maybe God will redirect you if you need to go a different direction. Right. Well, I think what happens is um, if people get paralyzed. They do. Um, in in yeah. try, you know, thinking that they got to get this particular path, this particular job, this particular career. And they end up, one, not doing anything that um, with the gifts and abilities that God has given them. And they're not glorifying God. It, you know, at some point you've got to make a decision mm -hmm. um, and do something. Like you said, get on the right side of the road or the left side, whatever, yeah. whatever side and start walking. Right. And, and, and while you're doing it, glorify God. Right. It's, it's like we have this idea that God's got this. And I think it's just been bad teaching. Again, this is why teaching is so important in the church, that there is this one plan mm. for you. God has one right. plan and you have one lifetime to Find out what that plan is. And guess what? If you don't, you've screwed up for all of your life. I mean, you've just thrown your life away. Right. And this is the teaching we give. Now, the way I've just given it very in that sense, you, I can hear you saying, oh, absolutely. Amen. We understand. Yeah, we hear. You. Yeah, absolutely. But I guarantee you, everybody listening to um, our voices now have been told through a sermon or through a Bible study um, in a pastoral way that um, you just need to get back on track. Hmm. Like there's this one, you know, maybe the reason you're unhappy in your marriage, maybe the reason you're unhappy uh, with your uh, with your job, maybe the reason you're unhappy with what you're uh, currently doing uh, in your life is because you're not on you're not on that one path that was laid out mm. for you. You've missed the boat. What if that has been the wrong? Maybe maybe that in the church. What I'm trying to say is maybe in the church we've been teaching the wrong thing. Yeah, and maybe it's not the Go ahead. It's not about the it's not that God gives us one path. It's that God gives us life. He breathes into our nostrils. He gives us the breath of life and he says, "Glorify me, enjoy me forever." Which tells me you can pick the right side of the road, the left side of the road, the middle of the road, wherever it is you want to live, but whatever you're doing, glorify God and enjoy him forever. And part of that comes up in the there's like a real loving purpose for some of that to come up to say, God has a purpose for your life. It's this, I want you to feel the love of God and the value that God has for you. 
And so God has a purpose for you. God made you for a reason. And sometimes I just don't think we give a big enough reason. Sometimes I think we, we think too small. And instead of telling people that they in themselves, we as human beings, as frail as we are, have the ability to glorify God and enjoy him. Instead, we say, you have a purpose. You could be an engineer, a doctor, or a baseball player, right. which is big. Well, That's six figures, well, those are big, yeah. but it's not big enough. And, well, and a scripture that that is not part of our scripture for reference, but just been um, thinking about is, you know, Jesus is the, the the greatest commandment: love God, love each other. Right. Um, I think, um, and it may be oversimplification, um, but I think as long as we are living our life, we're loving God and loving each other, then we're glorifying God. And to say that there's one one path or one job or one career, or whatever, is I don't know. That's kind of misleading. Mm. Yeah, and I would even add to that if you in that the great commandment he says, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. And Wesley would even add that third prong in there. There's a place where we have to love ourselves as Christ loves us. Mm. And for some people that that's hard. I'm not talking about an egotistical no. uh kind of prideful loving of ourselves. I'm talking about um ex- a loving ourselves the way God loves us. Um, it, that, it may be some brings- I'm, we're going to figure no, this out, out, podcast listeners, the interrupted part. <laughs> but this the, is how conversations go, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let you finish. No, I was going to say, uh, Jim, what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, so even even we in our conversation have fallen into a little trap that that we can get out of real quickly, is that the glorifying God, the, the, our, the purpose for which we glorify God, doesn't always have a doing attached to it. Mm. Okay. So, and Brett, you, you hit on it there is that your simple being in Christ is a glorification of God. Right. And so I think about that, not only for people who are physically or otherwise incapable of doing something, I think about that for somebody like, I don't know, I can't speak for you guys, but I'm such a doer, such a type A perfectionist kind of accomplishment person that uh, sometimes I absolutely lose the fact that I'm not glorifying God in my simple being. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And oh, so that's 100%. important. Oh, that's absolute. And that, that's really what I, what I was getting at there is that. And our third chart is going to be hashtag pastoral confessions. <laughs> that's exactly right. And we're just getting started. Let me just tell you. Um, so, <laughs> um, but that idea of being able to look at ourselves the way Christ looks at us, you know, I can look at my enemy and, practice loving my enemy probably easier than I can love myself. And I think for a lot of people, that is true. I, I think, think that's, that's, that's true. true. And we see ourselves. So uh, honest talk here, I've been on kind of a, a, a weight loss journey for a long, long time. And you kind of looking for that, uh, that, that secret formula for, for losing weight that doesn't require exercise or eating healthy food has been, um, and I'm, I'm still on the journey looking for, looking for that. Hook me up, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but being on this, one of the things I've noticed and I've been reading about kind of the psychology of weight loss is that, um, one of the things they say is to take a picture every week of yourself. So you can physically see the change because if you just rely on looking in the mirror, your brain doesn't process it. Because you're looking at yourself as you think you really are. Hmm. 
you, you, you may have lost a hundred pounds, but still see yourself as a 350 pound, you know, overweight, morbidly obese type, you know, that kind of thing going on. And um, it, it, the, the psychology there, and it's the way we look at ourselves. It, it's the way that we don't love ourselves uh, and don't think we have any self-worth or any value. Hmm. And this idea of um, glorifying God and enjoying him forever is a, it's a, it's a self-value type of thing. It's, it's saying that this, this intrinsically is what I'm called to do is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This is it. Why? Because God loves the praises of his people, right? Mm. He loves the praises of his people. And, and if that's the case, then I'm his child. I'm an heir. I'm a, that, that, that I'm, and there's, and there's, there's love there. Love God, love neighbor, love yourself. There is. And what a great way to point just to, to lift up the fact that Yes, the chief end is to glorify God, but that's not just something that God expects from you. That's also something that God has designed you and enabled you to do. Right. And right, like exactly. you said, uh, what a gift. What a gift. And Psalm yes. 8, Psalm eight. I'll throw some scripture in there. Um, God, ta- or the psalmist talks about when I look at the heavens and all of this wonderful stuff, what are human beings that you're mindful of them, yet you made them a little lower than the angels? What a special thing God has made us to be. That is Soak it in. Powerful. Soak it in. Um, I'll, I'll say the word that I've been wanting to say. Amen. amen. <gasps> Ooh, can we say amen? <laughs> amen. amen. Hey. Um, oh, this is not the musical right, episode. Let's, <laughs> we like an organ. Hey, there's a, great, there's a great quote here that uh, I love very much. It comes from uh, McDonald's commentary, and he talks about Methodism uh, and yeah. Wesley's movement springing forward from uh, an idea of an inward and personal experience of God authenticated outwardly and guided by God's word. But listen to this. The salvation of the soul was its burning good news and its doctrine of holiness was the new exposition of the great secret for how to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Right. The idea of holiness being the, may, the, the way in which we enjoy God and glorify him. Now, people are going to get confused about holiness because maybe they've seen that Kevin Bacon movie. Uh, what is that? Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, Footloose. 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 Maybe they've seen Footloose. Footloose. And they think that, Kick oh, off they're your talking Sunday about shoes. holiness. They must be telling me I can't dance. I can't listen to my music. Can't play video games. But that's not what no, we're that's talking bad. about at all. We're Methodists. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's called legalism. But the right. holiness being yeah. the idea we were talking about, about growing in union with God in Christ-likeness, sanctification. Right. Sanctification, uh, sanctifying yes. grace. Sanctifying yes. grace, exactly. That, and that, that could be a way to glorify God and enjoy him. Yeah, That's powerful because the more that we enjoy God, not in the same way I enjoy ice cream, which I enjoy very much, but at that yes, deep too. soul level where uh, our whole being is in union with God, what a joyful and wonderful thing. Yeah, absolutely. And for our listeners, we we I know just talking to so many of my own church members, um, this is probably one of the hardest things for them to grasp. Uh, does God love me? Does He have purpose for me? And the answer to that question is yes. And uh, so I, I want us to take a moment here, guys. And um, this idea of enjoying God is so fascinating. Uh, to me, in our communion liturgy in the United Methodist Church, we say uh, we say during our confession time, "Free us for joyful obedience." 
free us for joyful obedience. So fascinating about this idea of joyfully enjoying obediently who God is. Man, so obedience um, if some, sounds so joyful to me. Well, I know, but the way it is put out, I, I'm with you. So here's the question, guys. A, do you enjoy God? And B, how do you, how do we act? How do we, um, what are some things we do that en- to enjoy God? Like if someone had asked us, well, then how do you do that? How do you enjoy God? Uh, what, what would we say? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I kind of, I'm thinking about something the Jim had said earlier about the doing versus the being. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're, again, I think we're thinking a lot about doing. And I think when I think about enjoying God, I think about just being, being in the presence mm-hmm. of God. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that can happen in so many different ways. Um, but I think about God's original intent with Adam and Eve. Um, it was just Adam and Eve, um, God's creation with God. I'm just chilling out in the garden. That was God's original intent. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just with God. Uh, scripture says they were naked and felt no shame. That's right. Um, I mean, <laughs> anyways, but uh, yeah. moving on. <laughs> Move it on. But there was just, they were just being and enjoying God. And I think that's what it means. Um, sure, there's some there's in, that involves some doing. Um, you, I, I think about means of grace and all the different means of grace of studying the scriptures and praying and fasting and all these different things that are ways that I have enjoyed God and and ways that I at least sense God's presence. God's always with us, but um, the, those means of grace have assisted me in enjoying. God, but it's just, I just, I just think about being in the presence of God. Mm. Absolutely. I, I'm going to share something pretty personal um, with, with y'all and I guess everybody listening now. So I grew up in a pretty abusive home. Um, and um, one of the things that I dealt with growing up and even into my adulthood, even into my ministry, uh, in, into my, uh, my professional ministry career um, has been the idea of loving myself. Um, when you're, when, when you grow up in a, a physically abusive home, uh, when you grow up in a home that's very transient, there's a lot of in and out drug use, all kinds of alcohol, all kinds of stuff going on. Um, it can really wreak havoc on your, uh, on your perception of yourself. And so I've never had a good perception of myself. Now, one of the things about me is I've always looked for my self-worth in what I do. Jim, as you would say, you and I, in many ways, are very much uh, the same person when it comes to that. I think a lot of my kind of workaholic tendencies comes out of this way of having to prove my self-worth to somebody out there. Um, And so uh, one of the ways that I have enjoyed God most has been through therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, about five years ago, four or five years ago, I was uh, asked by my stepfather, who um, he was he's no longer my stepfather. My mom's been uh, divorced several times, but he was the one that was with her the mo- longest while I was growing up. And he was the one who inflicted m- all the physical uh, abuse upon me. Um, his mom passed away, and because I'm the resident uh, pastor in the family, um, I get the call to go do the funeral. Mm. 
And I did not want to do it because it had been at that time about 20 years since I had seen him. And I did not want to go deal with that. But I was told, hey, maybe, you know, my wife said, it's probably good for you to go do this. Uh, uh, my senior pastor said, it's probably good for you to go do this. So I went down and I did it. On my way back that evening, I was just praising God for this thing. I had seen him. Um, he had become this diminished man, broken in his own right, lots of health issues, all kinds of stuff there. And I was praising God for his brokenness. He was no longer the monster he used to be in my eyes. So I was, I was saying things like, well, God, thank you for that I'm now bigger than he is. And I couldn't sleep that night. And uh, I couldn't sleep that night. And then I couldn't sleep the next night. And I couldn't sleep the next night. And I started getting angry. I started dealing with um, uh, all these kind of angry issues. And um, anyway, my wife, she noticed it and others noticed I was just getting short tempered. And finally, I just, I went to my senior pastor and I said, I think I need some help. <laughs> I think I'm, mm. um, I think I'm spiraling a little bit. And um, he said, well, go here, here's the name of somebody um, locally. And um, I started therapy within five minutes of my first therapy session. Um, this guy had me pegged. The issue was going on. And for three years, four years after that, uh, dealing with that, and, and here's the number one things. He said, what you need to be, what, what you need to know is what you were not taught. And that is you are loved. You are loved. You're loved by God. You're loved by a wonderful family, but you are loved. And that right there opened my eyes to the place where I was like, you know, I am. I am loved. God does love me. When I gave my life to Jesus when I was 16 years old, it was because I had this spectacular experience where I heard Jesus say to me, I love you. And now I'm being told, once again, reminded, mm. you are loved. And that, that brought joy to my life. That brought joy that I was looking for back to me. So, Alan, you're right. Jim, you're right. It's not necessarily about what we do, but it's about being there, being who we were created to be and know that we are, we're loved. We are loved. Mm. And I, I glorify, I, I praise God on a daily basis. Not that he brought me out of something. I mean, I thank God that I am out of that. Not that I am doing what, that he, that I'm saved and all that. I do thank God. I just thank God that I'm loved by him. That I'm loved by him. And that my purpose is to praise his name and to enjoy him forever. And I enjoy him because he loves me. And what, isn't it just such a beautiful thing that God would say, Brett, you, I want you to glorify me. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoy God uh, as well um, in various ways. So I am a recovering perfectionist. That may not sound like a big deal to some of you all. And I'm not talking about the, I need to have my folder straight on my desk. I'm talking about the uh, outlook that if something is imperfect in the world, that it, that it needs to be perfected. And all of that is not directed at you or anybody else. It's all directed inward. And so I live with a proverbial devil on my shoulder. I wake up with the, um, the prosecuting lawyer in kind of voice 
that speaks everything that is wrong, that I've done wrong, that I am wrong, that I've done wrong, etc. And the beauty of what God has done through two by four has beat me on the head most of the time is to say, I've got it and I am perfect. And therefore you don't have to be. And so I've, when I'm able to release all that to the Lord, it's so powerful. Like one of the, the things that's so important that I really find great joy in God is through the friendships that he's brought into my path. That, you know, for example, the two of you, um, it's great. It's a soul level friendship. That's not, Oh, oh yeah. No. Um, but it's a soul level friendship that <clears throat> it's not based on, Hey, we just like the same football team or um, just we're randomly around each other in the same spots. Um, but God through other people, God uses other people to bring us great joy. And I feel that a lot in my own life. I enjoy God that way. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. I'm sorry if I cut you off there, my friend. No, you didn't. No, that was perfect. That was perfect. So I guess really what I want our listeners listeners to hear is that to glorify God and enjoy him forever is not this theoretical thing. Hmm. It's a real life thing that can be done through our just being in his presence, being his child and realizing that, uh, recognizing that, being part of that. I think that's the most, most important part. Mm. I would say to you, if you're struggling right now with trying to figure out what on earth you're here for, uh, don't think about it about, have I missed something? Have I missed the right path? Maybe the question you need to be asking is, do I really enjoy God? Hmm. Do, do I really enjoy him and where I am right now? I think that's the important question to ask. Any concluding thoughts, guys? I think this yeah. has been a, a great uh, discussion. I know I'm, I'm fired up, man. I, it's been awesome. Um, I've, got, I've got to throw one more thing in, a uh, little monkey wrench. And this is something that uh, our old friend, uh, uh, James McDonald, has brought forward. And there is this, this idea of what gets in the way of the glory of God in humanity. Yeah. And he says, the thing that obscures the glory of God in the world is sin. Yeah. And so yeah. then our deliverance from that through Jesus Christ is the beginning and the end of, of our existence. It's, he says that the man who's cleansed, the person who's cleansed by the blood of Christ from all uh, internal and actual sin is called in scripture perfect. And so that mm-hmm. journey of the, the journey of growing closer to God through holiness also involves us doing the hard work of rooting out the, the sin in our lives and, and helping the world to be a place that is more pure and unbroken or redeemed from sin. So that it's just, it's real. I think it's really important as we talk about the basics of, of our Christian belief to, to remember that it is a beautiful purpose that God has made us for, but there is something in the way that we all have that we're all infected by. And there's only one way. And that's through Christ to, to uh, be forgiven of the guilt and to be forgiven for the sin. And so as we walk further as we repent and walk further away from sin and the powers of sin and darkness and death, and we walk closer and closer to God, we find more joy 
more wholeness, right. more God to enjoy, for we are redeemed and made whole. Mm-hmm. Brett, can you can you uh, fire up just as I am, and I'm about to walk down the altar. <laughs> Let's uh, go. I'm telling you, all <laughs> forty-two on. verses. Let's go. Let's go. You know, I got to thinking, just to piggyback on that, Jim, um, and I heard this in a podcast I was listening to this week. Um, in all the Gospels, they start off with either the very first words out of Jesus's mouth or the first words about Jesus are, repent for the kingdom of God mm. is near. And the reason that is so important is because there are these obstacles in our way, mm. these obstacles to grace, if you will. And uh, being able to recognize that and know that. And so it may be, too, that if you're struggling out there uh, with understanding your purpose, it might be because there's, a, there's something in your way and you're trying to jump over it. But that's where God's grace will help you over it. It will, it will pull you. It will destroy that obstacle outright. Well, as, as both of you guys illustrated personally, we've got to get out of our own way. Um, Mm -hmm. which is the sin in us um, before we can truly glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's right. I do want to say this, and this is kind of my more evangelical bent doing saying this. I do want to say this, you know, uh, the assumption that everybody that's listening to this has this relationship with Jesus is probably an assumption we don't need to make. Of course, most, most people probably do. But if any of you out there would like to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, we, we want to talk to you. And so questions at podekesis, P-O-D-E-C-H-E-S-I-S. Podekesis. Podekesis.com. Questions at podekesis.com. Shoot us an email. I tell you what we'll do. If you email us, um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll try to answer whatever question you shoot. Uh, but we'll also pray for you. Yes, we'll, we will. I, I, we, one of us or all three of us will we'll pray for you, and um, we would love to pray for you and talk to you about what it means to know to know Jesus. Uh, with that being said, um, let me also say this, um, and as we're kind of winding up here, uh, you can find us everywhere. You can find us everywhere on social media at Podekesis on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, the email is po- questions at podekesis.com. The uh, website is podekesis.com. You can find us on app- iTunes, Apple. You can find us on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Whatever you listen to your uh, uh, um, podcast on, you can find us there. We're all over the place. We are everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Everywhere. Um, if you go, uh, please leave a five-star review. Let us. Uh, Apple loves those things, man, and it helps us. So leave yes, a five-star Apple review. Yes, Apple loves them. Yes, yes Apple. <laughs> By Apple, that means Brett and Alan. And- <laughs> That's exactly right. Crying out loud. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, uh, hashtag Alan is telling the truth. Anyway, yeah. so we're, uh, <laughs> so um, leave those reviews. Let us know that you're listening. Um, leave a question. Um, our next question we're going to be tackling um, in a couple of weeks will be question number two from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and that is, what rule has God given to direct us how we may glorify him and enjoy him? Hmm. What rule has God given us to, to, given to direct us how we might glorify him 
and enjoy him. It. We've used it a lot. <laughs> I'd love, Absolutely. I mean, I would love, I would love for people to chime in with their thoughts on that too. And everybody, you can pick yeah. up this book. Uh, we've linked to it. It's Wesley's revision of the shorter catechism. You can get it at seedbed.com. That's a publishing arm. You might even be able to find a few copies on Amazon, but the Westminster shorter catechism itself without Wesley's revision is available all over the internet. Uh, we'd love yeah. to hear from you. What are your thoughts on, on this? Either the question we just talked about or the question coming up. Um, just really could be a great conversation, a way for us to learn together, a way for for us to invite other people into a conversation about right. what Christians believe. And so, yeah, pop up on Facebook, hit us up on Twitter, send us some mm-hmm. questions to our email. It'd be more fun yeah. to engage with you than to not engage with you. And if we get enough questions, we may do a sidebar episode coming up of a, just a Q&A. A Q&A session. Wait, wait. Isn't this whole podcast about Q&A? The yeah, whole but podcast the Q&A is, is written out for it. <laughs> true. So it would not our be answers, out of line. Well, our answers would be, well, we'll get to that in a few weeks. That's right. <laughs> hey, gents, I've got a question for you. Yes, sir. Hey, what is the chief end of man? To, in, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Oh, we what have said. <laughs> <laughs> Well, friends, Potecumens, fellow Potecumens out there, thank you for joining us again um, on the Potecesis podcast. We so do appreciate your support, and we look forward to coming back uh, to you um, in a few weeks with question number two, what rule has God given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy Him? Y'all have a blessed day. Peace.